Our gospel lesson this morning is going to come from a passage that you've probably heard a lot of sermons on. It's one of our, our great passages of the faith. Uh, the walk to Emmaus, as found in Luke chapter uh, 24. We'll be reading chapter 24, verses 13 through 35. Luke 24, 13 through 35. And I invite you to stand as you're able in body or in spirit for the reading of our gospel lesson. Now on that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem, and, t- and talking with each other about all these things that had happened. Well, they were talking and dis- discussing, Jesus came near and went with them, but their eyes were kept from recognizing him. And he said to them, what are you discussing with each other while, you're, while you walk along? They stood still looking sad. Then one of them, whose name was Cleopas, answered him, are you the only stranger in Jerusalem who does not know the things that have taken place in these days? He asked them, what things? They replied, the things about Jesus of Nazareth, who was a prophet mighty indeed and word before God and all the people, and how our chief priests and leaders handed him over to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. Yes, and beside all this, it is now the third day since these things took place. Moreover, some women of our group astounded us. They were at the tomb early this morning, and they did not find his body there. They came back and told us that they had indeed seen a vision of angels who had said that he was alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it, just as the women had said, but they did not see him. Then, they, then he said to them, Oh, how foolish you are, how slow of heart, to, believe, to not to believe all the prophets had declared. Was it not necessary that the Messiah should suffer these things and then enter into his glory? Then beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them all the things about himself and all the scriptures. And when they had come near to the village where they were going, he walked ahead as if he were going, along, going on. But they urged him strongly, saying, Stay with us, because it is almost evening and the day is nearly over. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, blessed it, and broke it, and gave it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he vanished from their sight. Then they said to each other, Were not our hearts burning within us while he was talking to us on the road? And while he was opening the scriptures to us, that same hour they got up and returned to Jerusalem. And they found the eleven and their companions gathered together. They were saying, The Lord is risen indeed, and he has appeared to Simon. Then they told them what had happened on the road, and how he had been made known to them in the breaking of bread. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. There's an old saying that in Europe, they have history. In America, we have space. We don't have history in America in the same way that they do in Europe. I was talking with a friend of mine recently whose church is renovating, and they were on the National Historic Registry for their town. I'm like, oh, wow, I didn't realize your sanctuary was that old. They said, yeah, it was built in the 50s. I'm like, the 50s? That's not that old. Some of y'all got socks that old. Like, that's, that's not that old, you know? C.S. Lewis taught at Oxford. England, not Mississippi. Um, but he taught at Oxford, and he taught at Oxford in the new building. The new building was built in the 1600s. They have history in Europe. So, so many European conflicts go back for thousands of years even. That, that, that is a, a thing that Europe has that we don't have, is that great and long and binding sense of history. But what we do have in America is we have space. 
The most American thing in all the world is to get in your car and drive out west. I mean, think about the nostalgic nature of Route 66. You know, we all, you know, think about basically the entire pop culture of the 60s was about getting in your convertible and driving out to California. You know, that, that, that's what we do in America is that we drive. We are a nation of drivers and of automobiles. That is a very American thing to do is to fantasize and visualize about getting in your car and driving out west or getting in your car and driving up north. Like that's what we do is we drive long distances. That's part of our deep culture as Americans to do that. They, they don't do that in other places like we do. That's something that we do here is we like to drive. We like to go places. We like to see. We like the road trips. That's very American. We had a, when I was in Pedal, my youth pastor, he had a foreign exchange uh, student staying with him one year, and she was from Belgium. And so when she, when her parents came to visit towards the end of her time there, they asked, they said, um, um, what do y'all do for fun around here? And, you know, Pedal, Hattiesburg, great area. They're like, oh, man, it's great. You know, we can be in Mobile an hour and a half from here. Or, or New Orleans, an hour and a half. Or Jackson, an hour and a half. That's great. The hub city, everything's close by. And they're like, oh. Where they live, they could be in Paris in an hour and a half. Or Rome in an hour and a half. Or London. Mobile's nice, but it ain't Paris, you know? So that's, that's, that's what we have here is we have distance. My, my, many of you know my daddy was a truck driver. So during the summers when I was a kid, about once a, about once a summer, daddy would take me with him. And now before they adopted me, he drove, he, he, drove, he was long haul. He drove all over. He would drive out west, hauling natural gas and things like that. He'd drive up the seaboard. But when they got me, when they adopted me, he wanted to be closer to home. So he started doing more short haul stuff. Eventually he started hauling chickens from the farm to the processing plant. But, uh, but he, he drove for a company called Great American Box out of Fernwood, Mississippi. And he would make a trip every night from Fernwood to Birmingham. And so once, every once in a while during the summer, he'd take me with him. And we would, we would drive. And, man, it was the greatest thing in the world. It, it was so cool to get, my big, to get in that big rib with my dad. And we'd drive. And, you know, it messed me up. Because I still think to this day the finest cuisine in America is truck stop food, you know. We'd stop at some ratty truck stop in the middle of nowhere, Alabama, and get a greasy hamburger, you know. And then, we, then we'd, 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 we'd pull off on the side of the road, and he'd put his blinkers on, and he'd leave the engine humming, and we'd go to sleep in the sleeper. And if you've never slept in the sleeper of an 18-wheeler, it's the best sleep you'll ever have. It's even better than sleeping on a tin roof with rain. I'm like, it's the best sleep you'll ever have. But there was such an excitement such an excitement about getting on the open road. That's a uniquely American gift that we have is that concept, to travel. Well, in Jesus' day, it didn't really work like that. They traveled, but differently. Obviously, they didn't have big rigs or cars. They walked. They walked. That's what they did. And so it wasn't uncommon in Jesus' day for them to walk great distances. Think about how many stories in Scripture involve people walking somewhere, a, tra a traveler went down to Jericho and was robbed and beaten, left on the side of the road, and a good Samaritan came by. Think about how many of Jesus' teaching moments happened while he's walking with his disciples. They walked. Israel proper, the, the place where Jesus lived, 
Basically, it's the size of the Delta, more or less, from Vicksburg to Memphis, Bluff to River. It's, it's the Delta. And I don't want to walk from Belzona to Memphis, but you could. I'm not doing it, but it's not impossible. I mean, that, so they walked. Think about how often Jesus traveled. Think about, think about him going to Bethany when Lazarus was raised. And he came. It was a short walk, but he got there late. Think about when he was a child. And, uh, and they, they went to the temple. And they, they were used to traveling as family caravans. They had a, maybe if they were lucky, they had some donkeys, and the women would ride the donkeys. And Jesus and his family went to the temple. And they realized after a few days, oh, where's Jesus? Oh, he's in the back playing with his cousins. Well, it turns out he's still in the temple. But they were walking. It's what they did. They walked. They traveled. Wasn't often. They didn't, they didn't go down to Jerusalem like we, like we go to Walmart. They didn't do that. But they went, they went fairly frequently. Especially in Galilee, where Jesus was raised. There are all these small paths, small roads, connecting every little village there. And there's the Sea of Galilee where they could travel. So it's not uncommon. Walking was just part of their life. And so what's interesting in this passage today is what happens. We see these two disciples walking from Jerusalem to, to, to Emmaus. We don't really know where Emmaus was. We have ideas. We aren't really sure. But it was a short walk, seven-mile walk. They were walking. And, and the scripture says, it says, Jesus appears to them. Like, as Betty said so beautifully during the children's moment. You know, it's like seeing somebody that's supposed to be in Hasburg who wasn't there. Like, what are you, what are you doing here? They didn't, they didn't recognize him. And it's interesting. Think about how often post-resurrection people see Jesus but don't recognize him. Remember Mary in John 20 when she saw Jesus but didn't recognize him? And it wasn't until Jesus called her name that she recognized him. Here we see Jesus walking with these disciples and they, they, they don't recognize him. And they're walking. I like what it says, how he took all scripture and it said how it all pointed to him. Remember in the Bible, particularly in the Gospels and in Paul's writings, when you see the word scripture, they're talking about the Old Testament. Jesus took the prophets, Moses, and showed how it's all pointing to him. And it wasn't until, it wasn't until he broke bread, it wasn't until he broke bread that their eyes could see and they realized it was Jesus. Now, he was with them the whole time, y'all. It wasn't like he magically appeared to them at that moment. But what happened was in that moment, they could finally see him. They could finally see him. Now, why couldn't they see him? Scripture says they were, had a veil over them. But I wonder sometimes. They were used to walking. They walked a lot. It's just what they did. They walked. Part of their routine of life was they walked. I like routines. I'm a man of routines. I really am. I, with my ADD and my inability to sit still, if I don't give myself some clear goals, I'm going to hit nothing. So every day before I leave the church, I take my tablet out and I look at my to-do list and I move, I, I've checked off everything throughout the day and I take the things that I have not done and I move them to the top of the to-do list. And then I sit down and I think about everything that I've got to do the next day. And I write it all down. 
That's the last thing I do when I leave the church on a weekday. And then I'll get to church the next day and I start working on my to-do list. I check off, I check off, I check off. I add, I'll, oh, I got to, don't forget to do this. I've, I've, got a, I've got a to-do list. It's not on my tablet right now, but it's in, it's in my desk of things I've got to do before a funeral day at three o'clock. Because if I don't do it, it's not going to get done in my brain. So I'll write it down and I check it. I will go when I finish after I've benedict, I'm going to go in there and start on my to-do list for today. That's what I'm going to do. I like my routines. I need my routines. If I don't have my routines, I'm not going to get a single thing done. We have our routines, don't we? I've got my routine. I, I, I don't even have to, they don't even have to put my name on my cup at Starbucks because I'm the only weirdo in Madison County who goes to Starbucks by the Healthplex and orders a large black coffee with nothing in it. They know me there. I have my routines of the restaurants I go to. They don't, I, don't even need a men, I don't even need a menu at Cinco de Mayo. They just know what I'm eating because I go there so often. We've got our routines, don't we? You do. We all do. That's good. It's good to have our routines. It's good to stay focused. Ah, we need that focus. It's good for us. But I wonder. I wonder. I wonder if sometimes we so focus on our routines. And sometimes we so focus on what it is that we have to do. That we don't leave space in our life to look for Jesus. Because he's with him the whole time, y'all. It wasn't like Jesus magically showed up at the end of the story, was it? No. He was there with them the whole time. But for most of the story, they missed him. For most of the story, they didn't see him. For most of the story, their eyes could not behold that he was with them. And I think sometimes, guys, if we're going to be honest, we're the same way. Sometimes we're so focused on our lives. Frankly, y'all, if we're going to be honest, sometimes we're so focused even in our religion on doing something that we must do that we do not give space in our life to behold the resurrected Christ in our midst. Sometimes we're so busy, frankly, friends, sometimes we're even so busy for God that he can't get into our schedule. We don't, cause here, y'all, here's the thing about Jesus. Don't, 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 don't mess with him because he'll mess things up, y'all. Jesus doesn't give a hoot about your schedule. He'll blow that bad boy up. And that's frankly very inefficient. And I don't always have time for Jesus because I've got a schedule to keep. Jesus will mess up your schedule. Jesus will mess up your finances. Jesus will mess up your routines. Jesus will make you love folks you don't even like. Jesus will make you do stuff that you don't want to do. But when we give Jesus space in our life, when we encounter the resurrected Christ in so many ways, he will change our lives for the better and we'll actually live. So often we spend our lives simply existing. Just moving from day to day, focusing on things that, frankly, in the grand scheme of eternity, aren't really that important. That we do not give Jesus the space in our life to work. We do not give Jesus the space in our life to speak. We do not give Jesus the space in our life to have a holy encounter with us that changes our lives. We're so busy on getting back on the road again 
that we do not give Jesus the space he needs to invade our life with his beauty. It isn't that he is not speaking. It's that we're not listening. It's that we're not listening. Because frankly, it's not always on our list to do. On our schedule. On our agenda. Or in our routines. Do we create the space in our life to actually listen to Jesus. I'm not saying the space in our life to be a good Christian or the space in our life to do the stuff he wants us to do, but to actually listen. As my mama used to say, sometimes the devil can't make you bad, he'll make you busy. And sometimes we're just too busy for Jesus, aren't we? And then we miss the beauty all around us. We lived in Ripley when I was serving at First Methodist up there years ago. Um, I don't know how many of y'all ever been to that northeast part of the state. Just, just, just beautiful part of the state. If you've never, if you've never been up to Tishomingo, Iuka, that part of the world, you, you need to go. Tishomingo State Park is just a hidden jewel in our state. But, um, you know, talking about traveling, I mean, listen, we, the Stoddards will drive to eat. Don't you doubt we will drive to eat. We're in the Delta sometimes, like, you want to drive an hour to Greenville to go eat? Yes, I do. Let's go. So we don't mind driving to eat. I, listen, I go, I go to Memphis through Greenwood just to go to the Crystal Grill. That's how I roll. So. But uh, Holly worked at the hospital in Corinth. And so I, I'd driven that road from... Ripley to Corinth a million times while I was up there. Drove it all the time. Just a very common road. And um, it's a beautiful part of the world. Just like I say, if you've never been to that part of the world, it's just beautiful. And so one day we were driving to Corinth for something. I don't, I don't even remember who what. We were driving over there. And um, there's a little valley between Ripley and Corinth off Highway 4 that I, I passed a million times. And for whatever reason, we topped the hill and got down the valley. And I looked off to the north and y'all, it's like the hills were on fire with color. I don't know that I've ever in my life seen the leaves that beautiful. It, 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 was, it was stunningly beautiful. It was, it's, it was take your breath away beautiful. And, and so I looked at Holly and I said, has it always been like that? She said, yeah, you just don't pay attention. There was beauty invading my world every day. I just wasn't paying attention. I just wasn't paying attention. Jesus walked with them to Emmaus, and they missed him for most of the trip. Maybe because they weren't paying attention. Friends, Jesus Christ longs to invade your world now with beauty, with grace, with love, with peace, with joy, with patience, with kindness, all the fruits of the Spirit. He longs to invade your life with this now. Beauty abounds. Grace abounds. Love abounds. Resurrection and life abounds. 
We just got to pay attention. May God give us the eyes to see, the ears to hear, and the souls to receive what he longs to share with us today and each day moving forward. Let us pray.